Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to Sports Medicine on Tap. I'm Jason Kopeck, coming to you live from Neck of the Woods Brewing Company, located here at 614 Lambs Road, Pittman, New Jersey. I got the good Dr. Frey with me. Doc, how are you making out? I'm doing great, Jason. I, I'm excited that we're here doing the show. As you know, we had, we had a lot of moving parts going into tonight. We didn't think tonight was going to happen. And uh, it's usually a, it's usually a, a bit more smooth sailing. Right. And uh, you hit me with a curveball earlier, and I'm, I was happy we could still make it work. Yeah, you know, I kind of felt like we were going to probably have to punt to next week, and I didn't want to do that because I felt like we had a great topic, and we got a fantastic guests with us, Dr. Brad Bernardini. Welcome back. And, and I didn't, you know, he was able to do it tonight. We didn't know if we were going to make the show happen tonight. And here we are. It all came together. Love it. Love it when it comes together. Dr. Bernardini, we're happy to have you back. And it, it kind of feels like we're getting the original band back together. <laughs> yeah. You know? This is the original crew. Yeah. I mean, we kicked this whole thing off with the three of us. And uh, here we are. And Dr. Bernardini, you're now our most uh, frequented guest. That's right. I'm going to so, keep that. But what, what are we talking about tonight? So... You know, Dr. Bernadine, we, we never wanted this to become a, a podcast that was strictly centered around the NFL. Mm. Uh, but I think here we are in week seven. And I think it goes to speak about how unique football is, is that you keep week after week, we get these kind of injuries that are definitely worthy discussions. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great, unfortunate, it's a great mm -hmm. study group for uh, sports yeah. medicine injuries. Week seven, right? That's what we just finished up with. We did. Uh, um, and Zach Wilson, uh, starting quarterback for the New York Jets, gets an unfortunate injury and an injury that's a little bit unique, right? I mean, it's, it's not something we discuss all the time. I, I asked you guys kind of offline here a bit. I once heard the PCL injury described as the redheaded stepchild. It's, it's something less discussed, less frequented. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's 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 like the little brother to mm -hmm. the ACL, um, right. you know, effectively. ACL yeah. seems to be the rock star of, of the knee when it comes to knee ligament injuries. Mm -hmm. and, and the PCL, unfortunately, does not get the same press. Mm -hmm. or, or maybe, fortunately. Right. I, and I don't know, for some reasons um, that we can get into a little bit later, sure. it seems to not be as much of an issue for mm -hmm. high-level athletes. Uh, and in fact, you know, talking about the NFL, some of the original studies that were done on it were done by uh john bergfeld who is uh, a cleveland clinic guy uh bucknell football guy shout out to yeah so uh he actually spoke at our graduation from orthopedic residency and so i got to spend time with him we talked about bucknell that's awesome and, yeah this is fun uh, great great guy so he did some of those articles that i think we probably all, all are aware of that show that about three percent of elite d1 football players as they're coming into the nfl are found to have a grade three or a full thickness pcl tear that they didn't know they had right uh was never diagnosed prior to them being you know thoroughly evaluated on their intake physicals for the nfl and were playing just fine so they didn't know they had it they were compensating well for it a lot of these guys are extremely mm -hmm. uh, strong and and we'll talk about why that i is. gotta so, imagine but that was an older study right times old, have yeah. changed at this point you know three percent aren't getting get getting by without knowing about it yeah no and and you're probably right um but i think it speaks to the fact that you can compensate right for a, for a sure. full thickness tear of the PCL. And that's probably another reason that it's a kind of a the redheaded stepchild is that it's not as disabling as an ACL tear. The New York Jets invested a lot in him, both financially and, and you know, in terms of hope of really turning this franchise around. They traded up in the draft to get him. Got I'm rid not, of their yeah. previous right, franchise quarterback. Right. Right. Um, 
you know, so on the play, if we recap that, yeah. it doesn't look like much, right? I mean, he's he's kind of tackled from behind. He, his arms are wrapped up. He falls to the ground. How would you describe that? Kneecap forward? Kneecap? Yeah, well, that's a really important well, point. That's so, what, so that's so. Yeah. But it doesn't look you like just, much, right? Yeah, you just threw us a lob there. <laughs> no joke. I, I did, yeah. So kneecap kind of goes forward. He goes into the ground. Mm -hmm. Dr. B, take it from there. Yeah, so the, the critical thing has actually been been shown to be the foot and ankle position. Mm -hmm. The classic mechanism for a PCL tear is uh, a bent knee, usually bent like 90 degrees. Yeah. Uh, you're falling to the ground and your, your knee strikes mm -hmm. the ground. So the position of your foot and ankle is really mm -hmm. important to which part of your knee mm -hmm. um, touches the ground first. Right. So if your toes are on the turf, the turf right, right, right. as you're falling down, it forces your kneecap mm -hmm. into the ground first. And then you have a kneecap injury, whether it be, you know, a contusion, a mm -hmm. patella fracture, mm -hmm. extensor mechanism, like mm -hmm. patella tendon, quad tendon injury. If your foot is in a pointed position so that the top of your foot is flat against the ground. Mm -hmm. Like your shoelaces. Like your like, shoelaces, like, yeah. exactly. Then the first thing that touches the ground is the front of your upper shin bone. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is it drives that shin bone backwards, mm -hmm. which is the exact thing that the PCL is designed to resist. Mm -hmm. And so if there's enough force, mm -hmm. like there's defensive lineman on your back, yeah. then it overwhelms the native strength of the PCL and or, you can have a tear. Or if, if your knee hits a dashboard. Yeah, uh, dashboard injury in a car, another classic, classic mechanism. Right? Yeah. It can happen in other positions, but that's kind of the classically described mechanism and the foot and ankle position is really important in that. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, Steve and I were talking about before we, I couldn't see an angle of the injury where I could see his foot and ankle position. We had NFL, man. I tell you, they just yeah. can't get their camera yeah. angles yeah. right, I guess. <laughs> but, but it had to be yeah. the position that mm -hmm. we just described. Yeah. It wouldn't happen that way. And it is funny because both, both Brad and I were both looking for this same yeah, thing. Right. And we were talking about it. And, and I was like, it's almost no, like you're both knee specialists. Yeah. Right, you know, right, right, right. Sports medicine guys. <laughs> you, you know, it's a, it's a boards question. It they ask, they yeah. ask us that on our boards. Yeah. What position is the foot fire. ankle? Yeah. Mm -hmm. right, right. Yeah. So last, last week when we had Dr. San Filippo one, I had a great time talking about like the on field management. Right. Um, so we we're all arena football alum here at this point. Mm -hmm. Wearing, <laughs> wearing the blackjack, the black only blackjack shirt. Black shirt. <laughs> so let's uh, let's put ourselves in a scenario where we go out to the field. Um, you know, what is the physician seeing in that initial evaluation on the field? So I think it's going to be like a lot of other knee injuries. Guy has a lot of discomfort. Guy has a lot of pain. Kind of reaching down, grabbing his knee. Typically, I think I think there's more of a chance of swelling quickly in this one, whereas more meniscal pathology would be more the next day. But really, um, what, what you're going to be checking for is instability. And it's, it's, it's interesting. It's easy to be tricked. So I give, I give, yeah. his, I give their team docs a lot of credit because it seemed like right off the bat, they came up with like, like it's probably a PCL injury. Because lots of times, it's the motion really of excessive motion of the shin bone going backwards posterior relative to the, to the femur. But Unless you're really careful about that and really careful about your starting point, typically or often the, the, the shin bone is starting posterior mm -hmm. or right. backwards relative to the femur. And then when you check it, it seems like it, you have excessive translation or excessive movement forwards, which would be equivalent to an ACL. Yep. But it's all about having the right starting point. So mm -hmm. to, to, to their credit, they, they, they got that right, right? They, they, they probably centered 
the shin bone relative to the thigh bone and where it's supposed to be setting, uh, sitting, and then stressed it and saw, oh man, like this is really sliding backwards, not really sliding forwards. This is probably a PCL injury. You know, the other nice thing about the NFL is they have replay, immediate replay. So those right. guys can look back because we talk about mechanism all, all the, the time. time yeah it's a big part as a really important indicator of what happened it's going to be on the field or on the mm -hmm. sideline watching so they probably were able to look at that pretty quickly whereas if we were in a high school game yeah yeah we you got to go on what the kids tell you yeah. right right yeah. and then we we've always talked about and i'm sure it was on an episode where you were on the beauty with the nfl where mris happen a lot more uh you know quickly than what the general population is used to so can, can we touch on the, like the, the radiology aspect of things? And so we see him a day later. What are you seeing on that MRI? Or do we go back? Yeah, we definitely get the MRI, but, yeah. but even before that, yeah. we're gonna get an X-ray um, generally to make sure that uh, you know, there's no fracture. A lot of patients wonder why we get X-rays if we have an MRI that we can get. Yeah. And they give us different information. Mm -hmm. So the X-ray can show us a lot of things that maybe an MRI wouldn't show us as well. Uh, one of the newer trends in um, management or diagnosis of PCL injuries is to get what we call stress x-rays. And so- Becoming the gold standard. Yeah, yeah. so the, if, we, if we take a step back and just talk about the anatomy and the, mm -hmm. and the, and the kind of the, the job of the PCL. So the, the job of the PCL is basically to prevent the shin bone from sliding backwards on the thigh bone. Mm -hmm. And so it's the exact opposite uh, job as an ACL. So they, they literally crisscross. Mm -hmm. That's what cruciate means. They, right. they crisscross in, in the joint. So the posterior cruciate ligament attaches on the posterior, the back part of the tibia, and the anterior cruciate ligament is the, the opposite. And that's, that's why they're named that way. So um, what you're going to see when you have these uh, kids come in and get x-rays, if you get a stress view, is you'll see that the relations, the normal relationship of the the knee is changed in that the tibia, which is the shin bone, mm -hmm. is slid back on, on the femur. And there's a grading system that we have for ligament injuries, mm -hmm. uh, one, two, and a three. And a one is kind of a, a little microscopic injury, um, not much structural damage. A two is a partial structural damage, and then a three is complete structural damage. And uh, so you can actually grade those based on how much shift has occurred. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that we can see really well on a stress x-ray. So you can actually measure the relationship of the bones. And we know that normally the, the tibia should be in front of the, the femur. In a really skinny patient, you can right. examine that. There's a test called the posterior drawer where you bend them to 90 and you can actually feel that relationship. But in some of these huge guys, you know, the quarterback it would probably be okay to do a physical right. exam test on. But if you saw a giant lineman with huge yeah. legs and maybe he had some swelling, it's that relationship might not be able to, mm -hmm. you might not be able to pick that up on an exam. So that's why that stress x-ray comes in. What are some of the other um, exam findings or exam tests that we typically do in the, not necessarily right there on the field, but you see the guy the next day in the office. Well, we, yeah, we take him to the locker room, right? You right. guys follow us. You know, in the, the locker ATCs room, back. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so there, there's, there's a couple, um, there's a, a just a posterior sag test where you basically line the knees up, you bend the knees up, you line them up next to each other. And if you look from the side, you can actually see that the shin is sagged back mm -hmm. on the knee that's injured versus the normal knee. Mm -hmm. So that's an immediate comparison that you can look at. There's another test called a quadriceps active test uh, which actually one of the uh, docs who was at uh, my residency at UConn um, wrote the initial paper on. And, and that's more of a, a dynamic test where 
because the sh the upper part of the shin is slid back on the femur, if you bend them up to 90 degrees and you ask them to try to slide their foot forward, it contracts their quad. In somebody who has a positive exam or a PCL tear, what'll happen in that situation is the shin will slide forward on the femur. And you can actually see that, whereas that won't happen on somebody who has an intact ACL. You might actually see a little a backwards translation. And it has all to do with the physics of the way the, mm -hmm. the, 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 the teletendon lines up, and the vectors of pull, the muscle, and everything like that. Um, and the other thing, maybe Steve, that you want to kind of talk about would be the possibility of uh, something called a posterior lateral corner injury that right. often can happen with these, and that that adds a layer of complexity. Hey, yeah. So, so it, it changes it changes the injury entirely. Uh, something called posterior lateral corner. So, you know, PCL is the posterior cruciate ligament, and then PLC is the posterior lateral corner. So in the, the back on the outside there, there are typically three main structures. There's more than three, but there are three main structures that technically make up the posterior lateral corner. One including the lateral collateral ligament, second, the popliteus tendon, and the, the third one is the popliteofibular ligament. And they help sort of support the capsule there and the capsule can also stretch. If you get stretching of the posterior lateral corner, um, that's, a, that's a much more severe injury. The PCL is sort of your initial restraint to posterior translation of the tibia relative to the femur. After that, your MCL comes into play, your LCL comes into play, and really the posterior lateral corner come into play. And if you've had enough force to not only stretch or tear the PCL, but you're also stretching these other structures, that changes the whole dynamic of treatment. Now we're going from a non-operative management to an operative management. Um, and uh, there's a few other tests that we can do for that. There's something called a dial test that we do, which is kind of classically the, the, the one that we look at. So you can actually technically have a posterior lateral corner injury in isolation and not the PCL or ACL. But frequently, usually, it's, it's in conjunction with either most commonly a PCL or second most commonly an ACL. And what you're doing is you, you lay the patient. There's a couple of ways to do it, but essentially you're, you're twisting the, the, um, the patient's um, at the at the ankles, and you twist it at, at two at two reference points at 30 degrees, and that when the knees flex 30 degrees, and when it's flexed 90 degrees, I typically will put them prone, line them on their belly, mm. put them at 30 degrees, uh, the knee at 30 degrees, twist both ankles externally, rotate them out, and if there's more than 10 degrees of asymmetry on the injured knee, it's it's rotating more than 10 degrees than the other side, then that's an indication that the posterior the the posterior lateral corner is torn. And then you'd go to 90 degrees of flexion and you twist it again. And if it's normal, there's no asymmetry there, that, then, then you're, you have a little more confidence that the, the, the PCL is intact. Yep. But if, if it goes at 90 degrees as well, then that's an indication that the PCL and- Yeah, then you got a complex, the, yeah, you got yeah, a yeah, combo yeah. injury. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. the PCL and the post-lateral corner are both injured. And then, and then that, that sort of changes your pathway. Whereas you, much higher likelihood of being able to go non-operative with that with that isolated PCL or the isolated posterior lateral corner, um, that's probably going to fail if, if if both of them are injured. Yeah, and this is there's probably people right now that are starting to fall asleep. Right. Um, Sorry, it, this, I didn't mean to get no, that. No, no, uh, yeah. no, not you. This is a little bit of a a technical. Yeah. Let's diagnose. Let's directly relate it back to Zach Wilson. So yeah. right after the game, 
let's say for the next, you tell me, uh, 24, 36 hours, what is he experiencing? Is he, is he leaving? Well, we know he didn't leave on a cart. Well, right? we, so like, we have him quoted as yes. saying, my knee feels loose. <laughs> right. 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 Scary. Ominous. So that, yeah. that's, that's never good. Yeah. So how did he, how did he leave the stadium that day? He walked. Mm -hmm. He walked, which is different. Crutches, maybe? Um, I saw him walk without crutches. Oh, is that right? Yep. All right. So this is different than... um, Which was kind of my point. It's much different than... Much different than ACL. ACL, typically, one of the classic historic factors is I couldn't continue. I couldn't walk off the field by myself. I couldn't bear weight because every Mm -hmm. time I did, I felt my knee shift. Yeah. With a PCL injury, the the symptoms are more vague. Mm -hmm. People know there's something not right, right, but it's more vague and they can tolerate some of that motion, especially with an isolated, yeah. we're gonna assume this is an isolated PCL for the you know, sake of us not having that, to get too deep in the yeah. weeds on and, some of and these. And that's the information that we have. It sounds right. like it's yeah. an isolated PCL. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, so he probably you know, knows something's wrong. He's not happy, he's feeling sore. He's mm-hmm. gonna start to feel swollen and stiff. It's gonna be painful, but not as, not as unstable as if he had an ACL. So, um, you know, you asked earlier, it comes yeah. to the office, we go through those exam mm-hmm. tests. We say, uh, you know, what? based on the mechanism, based on the exam, we're suspicious about a PCL, right. uh, the exam and the stress x-rays, if they got that can start to give you a sense for what is the grade mm-hmm. of injury, uh, an MRI is for sure going to be done. Once that's done, that can also give you a good idea of what the grade is. Although I would say it's still really important to get a stress x-ray I agree. because um, what you think may look like a complete tear on an MRI may actually not be a functionally complete injury. Mm-hmm. So this is where we start to get into the nuance of PCL injuries because there's a lot of science out there that shows that what you think the grade is based on our current grading systems mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily correlate with functional disability. Right. And that's where all those NFL studies came yeah. from. So people that had full tears we're still able to play elite football and make it into the NFL. And so that's that's where I think a lot of the- A little uh, bit of the art of medicine. Yeah, the you, art of medicine for sure. The two of you being the doctors that you are, so this this injury happens at the one o'clock game on Sunday. You guys obviously, you know, you make room and you see him at 8 a.m. Monday morning. How is he presenting? Is he in a, uh, a significant amount of pain or is he in denial that he's gonna be out at this point? I think he's in a moderate amount of pain. Yeah. I think he's got moderate swelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's hopeful that yeah. he can come back quickly, uh-huh. but knows something's wrong. Yeah. I think most of these players, if they're honest with themselves, know that they can't mm-hmm. perform at their peak. You know, a lot of people come in and say, hey, I think I'm okay to go. And you know, one of my questions is always, can you be the best version of yourself that you can yeah. be? Can you play the best game that you can play right now? Mm-hmm. And if they answer you honestly, it's usually in this situation, it would be no. Right. Um, and. So you kind of help them to come to the conclusion that we need to optimize you first. Mm -hmm. So let's assume we got the MRI, we got the test, we got all this Mm -hmm. stuff, and we find out that it's, uh, we're we're thinking it's probably a grade two. Yeah, so we're thinking because head coach comes out, press conference. Press conference. He's- uh, Although I never trust the press conference. No, right. He's expected to be out two to four weeks. Right. Your first- thought on that is it's, it's a, not a three it's not it's, a three right it's, that's it's my gray, first thought yeah it's okay so it's, yeah re- reading between the lines right if we if it's a grade three we anticipate he's gonna be braced extension braced or uh there's a special dynamic, kind of brace, rebound, dynamic brace brace. Where, where, rebound brace where you where you um sort of push the tibia into the right spot so mm-hmm. that it scars it has a better chance of scarring in in the right spot mm-hmm. um and, and typically you're in that you're in that brace for four weeks so so return is probably not gonna be four weeks if it's a grade three so that 
that reading between the lines is probably grade one or grade two. And then the fact that he's saying that he says if it felt unstable, it's not good. I don't think it's a grade one. I think it's more likely it's a grade two. Right. So yeah, grade I, one wouldn't wouldn't really shift right, uh, right. significantly. And, and I think it's worth mentioning. I um, we talk going back to the anatomy a little bit. Uh, when we did the ACL uh, show, we talked about how those don't heal. Mm -hmm. So the PCL is very different in that the PCL has this little sheath around it that actually can, if the sheath isn't damaged, the PCL ligament itself can be damaged inside of it. And so typically when structures like that get injured, they bleed. Mm -hmm. But if that sheath is still intact and it, and it kind of holds all those healing elements that come with a bleeding of, of an injury inside the sheath, the, the PCL can actually heal itself. Mm -hmm. So this is very different than mm -hmm. an ACL, which doesn't have that sheath and can't heal itself. So that's a really, really important factor in why some of these people may do well. Mm -hmm. So that's why that PCL brace is important because it puts the knee in a better position. And if it can heal itself in that better position, then people can theoretically go mm -hmm. back to have good function. So if we think this is a grade two and we think we're gonna give them time to heal in that brace, let the swelling, the inflammation go down, get his range of motion and strength, which is the stuff right. that you specialize mm -hmm. in, Jason, mm -hmm. like For working sure. with these guys every yeah. day and trying to do the things that we can to help get his muscles firing and his function and his confidence back, um, then theoretically he can potentially be back. It, I, I, I think it might be a little bit of a optimistic grade, estimate. If, if we're saying grade two, grade three is still a grade three sprain or is that does that change the, the diagnosis? Is that a that's a complete that's tear. A tear. And when you hear tear of a ligament, that's immediately surgery? No. I'm throwing up a lob for you. I know you. <laughs> yeah, in this situation. Because I yeah. think an athlete, a parent, anybody that may be listening, you associate a grade three tear of something, especially probably when it comes to the knee, yep. yeah. because of the ACL importance, that a grade three tear of a ligament is going to be surgery needed and out six to eight months. Yeah, in this situation for a number of reasons, it's not going to be a surgical recommendation. If you have a truly isolated PCL grade three for a couple of reasons. One, we know that the grade doesn't always correlate with functional disability as well as it does with like an ACL or other, other injuries. Uh, so people could have uh, diagnostic evidence of a grade mm -hmm. three tear and still function at an extremely high level mm -hmm. and be very, um, yeah. very good with sports, pain-free issues like that. So one of the things that actually helps out with this one is that the fact that, you know, PCL is the, the, is the main stabilizer over there in terms of posterior translation of the tibia relative to the femur. But, but the LCL and the MCL in the posterior lateral corner also are kind of your secondary stabilizers. So if they're intact, you actually don't translate that far posteriorly, even if it is a full thickness tear of the PCL. And, and, and that's one of the reasons why you can potentially get away with yeah. not doing that surgery and people do fairly well yeah a lot of those early studies also showed a, a strong correlation with quad strength yeah so most of those studies show that a, a grade isolated grade three pcl if you had 90 percent quad strength versus the other leg that you could theoretically overcome that instability and so what is the quad and the and the extensor mechanism pulls your your shin forward. forward yeah and so that if you've got these big tree trunk legs a lot of these mm -hmm. guys in the nfl do they can overcome that. And that's part of your rehab process, right? Like, yeah. like that's a focus on your quad strengthening. Yeah. For 
a franchise like the Jets that's really struggling to find their identity <laughs> and, and and really turn that corner and, and yeah. be successful for a long time. You know, they're off to a one and five start. Good and, thing you didn't talk to San Filippo about this. <laughs> um, you know, Zach Wilson is here. Um, you know, uh, you know, assuming he takes the longer end of the spectrum, he's out a full four weeks. Does this, the, you know, what can he do in the interim to not delay his progression as an NFL starting quarterback? Or is he just kind of sidelined altogether? No, I don't. What, what can he do in the, like, can he be still what, somewhat functional training, functioning? He should probably come down to the energy lab and Love train. <laughs> yeah. That's my recommendation yeah. for Zach. We're here for you, Zach. Yeah, not too far away. Not that far. Um, honestly, he's going to start right away. He's mm -hmm. not going to sit. He's not going to, they're not going to let him get deconditioned. They're going to start working with him, mm -hmm. um, with, you know, his athletic training staff and his sports medicine therapist staff. And they're going to start getting that, that swelling down. Mm -hmm. We know we talked about on the ACL show, you know, swelling causes immediate inhibition in your quad and the quad, mm -hmm. we know is super Critical. important yeah. Yeah. with PCL. So they're going to want to get that down so they can get his quad firing again. They're going to do everything they can at yeah. that. They're going to throw what they can at it. They're going to make sure that his knee is in a good position. I'm sure he's already got that brace on. Um, he better have that brace on. And it basically sets him up in a better functional position so that his muscles can fire better mm -hmm. and his whatever healing is going to happen mm -hmm. can happen in the right position under the right tension. Um, they're going to start to work on his mind. Yeah. They're going to start to work on his confidence a little mm -hmm. bit, uh, which is already hard enough as a Jets <laughs> Boom. player. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. I shouldn't be saying that. Right. As an Eagles fan, I shouldn't yeah. be saying right. that. <laughs> but I will. Yeah. Yeah. Sure There's a few teams I can pick yeah. on yeah. You know, right now, but I, I will. Um, so I think they're going to do all those things. Um, and they're going to be looking at him, um, I think, really, really closely in three weeks. I, I frankly think that two weeks is not realistic. Mm -hmm. I think four weeks is potential. Um, mm -hmm. My thought is that it's going to be four to six instead of two to four. I'm kind of on board, too. Um, I think two to four weeks is, is, is about right. Grade one, um, grade two. Um, I, I, I'm a little nervous by that comment that he had. Which is I agree, that, totally that, agree. That, that he said, like, it feels unstable, not good. Yeah, he shouldn't feel loose. Right. But lots of times people, and, 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 you know, in a high level athlete, you're a little more inclined to potentially fix it. And most people can live their life really, really well without a single issue. Skiing, this, that, you know, regular activity. Even if you're active, but not high level athlete. You start getting a high-level athlete like that, saying like it felt felt unstable. So I'm, you know, I'm kind of curious to see how this plays out. You know, I, I agree yeah. with you, Brad. Four four weeks is, seems optimistic. Yeah. Maybe six weeks, and and hopefully it doesn't it doesn't wind up being a surgical scenario. But but um, when does it go surgical? Mm, when does it? When are you like this? <laughs> this PCL tear needs surgery. Yeah. What are the indications? What are signs and symptoms? A couple of indications would be if uh, one, if, if the if the ligament pulls off a piece of bone, you're a little more inclined to go surgical route, try mm -hmm. to fix the piece of bone, right? And then two, if they failed non-operative management. Three, if what does they, that mean? You say four to six, uh, two to four weeks, he's going to be back, and then four weeks later, he's still having instability, he's still having pain, he has a difficult time climbing the stairs, um, you know, what, whatever it is. Um, can't, get his, can't get his mojo back. Can't get his mojo back. So then six weeks turns into eight weeks. And then you've been doing your therapy and eight weeks turns into 12 weeks. And and he's not turning the corner the way that you're supposed to. He's not improving the way that you're supposed to. And, and basically you've given it 
you've done the bracing, you've done the therapy, you've done all the different things you're supposed to do to try to get better without surgery, and it didn't work. And that's an isolated PCL. That's an isolated PCL. If there's a combo injury, it becomes surgical. Almost right off right the bat. Right off the bat, yeah. absolutely. Mm -hmm. so, so posterior lateral corner is involved, ACL and PCL, full thickness, uh, LCL and yeah. PCL. Uh, and in the, in the real world, not, not NFL mm -hmm. sports medicine world, it's not uncommon to miss the posterior lateral corner combo injuries. It's yeah. not. It's not uncommon to see uh, MRIs, um, you know, on second, third opinions where somebody's not getting better. Right. And you look back at the original MRI and you go, you know what? You're, you're, you're not. This isn't an isolated injury. This is a combo mm -hmm. injury uh, that unfortunately was subtle enough that it wasn't picked up. Mm -hmm. You know, there's regular MRI uh, studies that have shown that you can't see the posterior lateral corner as well as you can with some of these. Um, there's different techniques that you can use, different positions you can MRI people in. There's something called a coronal oblique yeah. MRI series that Laprade described, and that actually is focused on the posterior lateral corner. And if I have any clinical suspicion, I always send people back to get that second MRI to look at that. And I think that's really important for people to know that are in the sports medicine world that are listening is you can miss a posterior lateral corner injury um, on a, on a standard MRI because it's not lined up to pick that up. It's lined up to pick up cruciate ligament injuries. Um, and so I always, I always mm -hmm. consider that. So you, you just mentioned someone's name, LaPrade. I think his name bears repeating, right? Yeah. This guy's done so much. It's, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. He's, 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 he's one of these guys injury. who, yeah. who just does a ton of work with multi-ligament injuries. He's published a lot of studies on, on technical aspects of surgery, on outcomes. Yeah. He's the guy who would do the surgery that everybody else was scared to do. Right. And as a result, has the biggest body of knowledge um, out there Pretty with amazing. regard to it. Yeah, and he's really, he's really been you know, a big contributor to the you know, sports medicine world when it comes to that. We, uh, we had you on in middle of July, and that's when we kind of launched with the uh, ACL discussion, right? And one of the people the discussion was Ronald Cunha Jr., right. who, oddly enough, the Braves have just, you know, now <laughs> made their way to the World Series. Without oddly their, enough, he's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. After I gave Murray grief about yeah, it. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah, look at that Murray's going. Yeah, right. I know. It's yeah. awesome. It's um, awesome. Yeah, I mean, yeah, shout out to Dr. Murray. I mean, uh, yeah. not, I'm not a Braves fan, but I appreciate the people that, you know, not sure their teams get there. Be, but, right. Uh, anyway, long story. <laughs> short we uh in that conversation you you gave a great discussion about the different surgical techniques going into a surgery about the pcl completely different are we talking graphs are we talking multiple options yes yes and yes yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. make it short i mean you know we don't have to go i don't think you can make it short no this is another one of the, uh, now yeah. now we're gonna put people to sleep again yeah no, just so long story summarize short, it. long yeah. story <laughs> short um Surgical. I can tell you as an athletic trainer, I, I don't know much about the PCL yeah. surgery because I don't think I've ever heard of it. Yeah. Or I mean, I don't think I've ever seen somebody go through it. Yeah, so definitely grafts. Um, so you're, once again, rebuilding a ligament that's been damaged. So you can't just sew the edges of the ligament together, even though we talked about it having the sheath. The if mop, it's if it's right? shown it's like not to yell, yeah, it's a yeah, mop. Yeah. So they stretch before they tear. Yeah. And if you put stretched stuff back together, it's still yeah. gonna be loose. Yeah. So the the difference between the ACL and the PCL surgeries is that PCLs are a little bit more technically difficult to do mm. Yeah, in large part because the insertion point for the PCL on the shin 
is very, very hard to get to. It's in the back, back part of the, of the, of the shin bone. So you have to dissect way off the back. Way back. And we do this arthroscopically and there's some really important scary stuff right behind it. So there's a big, what we call the neurovascular bundle. So that's the big nerves and blood vessels that basically serve the lower leg. Mm -hmm. And if catastrophic you, injury. yeah, catastrophic, if you harm those mm -hmm. people can, that can be limb threatening. Yeah. And so for some people that's intimidating to the point where they won't even recommend sir they won't do it because they're not comfortable and you know there's a lot of studies that show that the more surgery somebody does of a specific type the better people will do the better the outcomes will be and the lower the complication rate will be so because this is an infrequently surgical injury there's people like Laprade out there who are do them all the time. Referral centers right, who, right. who do them all the time. People fly in from all over the country and the world to go to him to do it. Yeah. And if you have somebody in the community that's doing a good amount of them, then they should have good results right. as right. well. So it sounds so, like what you're saying is me bringing up the PCL surgery 32 minutes into this episode was not the ideal <laughs> no, time. No, I mean, it sounds like we could make this another we could have, another well, hour episode. No, no, so, so it's, theoretically, it's, pretty, it's yeah. a pretty yeah it, theoretically. Yeah. So, but if we're gonna go relatively quickly, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. There are multiple ways to do That's it as well. The big part, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, so um, do, do you want to get into it? Well, and it, you know the interesting thing we always make we have this, this kind of philosophy in orthopedics that if there's multiple ways to do something, none of them are really good. Right. So if we they're haven't, all okay. yeah, they're all kind of okay. So if we haven't figured out one generally accepted way to do it, that's mm -hmm. been shown to have proven outcomes mm -hmm. that we can rely on. That means we haven't really figured it out yet. And right. unfortunately the PCL is one of those things. A lot of good ways to do it. A lot we of don't know the great it. way to do it. So just like the ACL, the PCL has two functional bundles. So one option is to do a double bundle, reconstruction. Mm -hmm. And some of the early studies suggested that that biomechanically did better mm -hmm. when you tested it in a lab and cadavers. What are but those two bundles that for, did, the, yeah. uh, for the medical oriented people out there? Yeah. So the, the bundles are the AL and the PM. Right, right, right. And anterior lateral and posterior anterior lateral, medial. Anterior lateral and posterior medial. And the AL is like two times, almost three times the size. And it's the most important of the two bundles. What the knee inflection, which is the most important position for this. Yeah. So it, it's what resists this inflection, and and uh, which is a bent knee. Yeah. And so there are some that advocate for a double bundle reconstruction, which is technically a little bit more difficult right. and involves a little bit more work. We don't know if it's clinically better at all. Initially, it was thought to be, yeah. but most of those studies were done in the lab and didn't show correlation with clinical right. functional outcomes. That's what I mean. So the single bundle reconstruction, if you're going to do that, that basically reproduces the AL bundle, mm -hmm. which is the one we just talked about, which right. is the bigger, stronger of the two. More important of the two. More important of the two. And uh, that has actually been shown to have really good outcomes uh, as well more mm -hmm. recently and has equal functional outcomes, I think most would agree. Right. One of the problems with this is that the way this thing gets kind of shuttled through the shin bone is that it has to go around this like almost 90 degree angle. Like a hairpin turn. Yeah, we call it the killer turn. Mm -hmm. It goes around the back of the shin, comes back down at a 90 degree angle. And as that thing is healing and you're doing rehab and you're moving, this thing is kind of rubbing back and forth mm -hmm. on this 90 degree angle. So imagine if you had a piece of uh, yarn and you're putting it around a 90 degree turn in a table and you're rubbing it back and forth. Mm -hmm. You know, over time, that, that thing could theoretically start to fray. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Steve Frey, <laughs> and it could it could tear or loosen, and there's studies that show that that happens. Mm -hmm. So with cyclical loading of these graphs, those things start to fail. So that's one of the downsides of these these graphs. So now they developed this other technique where you can actually put a bone block 
in the back of the knee. You can do it arthroscopically or open. Mm -hmm. If you do it open, you got to go right by these nerves and blood vessels, and that's scary, and there's more damage and risk mm -hmm. associated with that. So, But that's actually been shown to be a, mm -hmm. a probably a biomechanically better way to do it. But once again, it doesn't necessarily correlate with clinically, clinically outcome. So, you know, you got all these options, and the studies in the lab may say one's better than the other, but then that doesn't correlate with actual functional and, and they all seem outcome. to stretch out a little bit no matter yeah, what yeah. in the end it, it, i yeah unfortunately right right and uh so i think this is one of these surgeries that we do mm -hmm. uh thanks to guys like the prod we're still getting better at it we're yeah. learning more and i think this is an ongoing this is an evolutionary kind of process often they are done in conjunction with another surgery like so so sometimes they're done with an acl if there's an acl pcl tear mm -hmm. sometimes they're done with the posterior lateral corner and there's like 10 different ways to do a posterior lateral corner reconstruction. So, so you know, it depends on what the other injuries that are happening at the same time, but yeah. lots of times are done in conjunction with other surgeries. Right. Yeah. To relate this all back full circle to Zach Wilson, uh, the Jets made a trade for their old quarterback who was here with Local the Philadelphia yeah. Eagles. Uh, so unfortunately, Joe Flacco is no longer here in the South Jersey area. He's back up with the Jets. Does that give you any kind of indication about what we may, may not know about his, uh, Zach Wilson's return? Are they thinking that this could be much longer than two, four, well, or six? I, you know, I'll go all the way back to if they episode lose, one. I'm right. a skeptic. Yeah. I, I've always been a skeptic of the initial report. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that that's what they should do. They mm -hmm. should, they should, no, we're, we're not privy to what no. he has and Who's what his information backup? is. Name their backup. Who's that, the Jets? Yeah. No, the guy that came in and then he's starting this week, but What's I, his I forget name? his name. Uh, I think I, that's why. Right. They're, right. They're, you know, but like, I mean, from the Jets standpoint, if they lose, if he's out four games and they lose all four of them, does that really matter to them? I mean, <laughs> well argued. Well, well I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, right. no, they're I, not making the playoffs, yeah. whether Joe Flacco or whoever's, you know, right, on their right, center. Right. I, I don't know. Yeah, but nah, they, they know no, Joe no. Flacco. He was he, well, that's, he was you he know, was just there two years. He was just ago. there yeah. two years ago. They know yeah. him. They know he has that, that potential. I think they're. Can... I think that's a responsibility to have. Yeah. You know, uh, sure because you know, like, again, there's the physical, and then there's the mental, and there's a lot of components. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, Zach's not unfamiliar with injuries. I mean, right. He's got a. You know, he's one of these guys, and yeah. you see these guys in the NFL who I are amazing agree. athletes. Yeah. We've talked. You've yeah. talked about yeah. this before, mm -hmm. Steve, and they're amazing athletes. And they just seem to get hurt all the time, right? You know, yeah. my one of my favorite guy, Wentz. He was yeah. one of my, I was yeah. so hoping that he'd be our guy Same. for a look, long yeah. time. Doesn't look bad right now. Uh, no, no, doesn't look bad now. But he's, he's already been hurt this season. I mean, he's coming <laughs> sure. off something. A and, couple times. Yeah, and so I, you wonder, and I'm sure they've considered the possibility that this is one of these guys. I mean, he's had surgery. He's you know he's you know, yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah. maybe this not on his knee, but. But he, you know, maybe he's one of these guys. Yeah. So you gotta have he's got that a contingency though. plan, it does, right? It does look like he can be pretty good if and when healthy. So, he's gotta, so we'll gotta have a contingency plan. So I think that's what they're that's what they're doing right now. Yeah. One of the things I think I've I've kind of failed that as whatever you want to call me as the host of the show. Um, I don't think you failed at all. <laughs> we we in, earlier in the episodes we we've, we've always mentioned Dr. Frey and I had this email account set up sportsmedonpath right. at gmail.com. I was just thinking that it's kind e of gone by the way. Email us right. Email us questions. Email us topics. We had a hit recently. Heck yeah. Um, it actually wasn't like this previous week. I could have brought it up last week. But to summarize this gentleman's email was he thought it'd be awesome if we got a doctor like Dr. Bernardini on to talk about something outside your, let's talk about the extensor tendon ruptures of the finger. 
and then bring in a Jennings <laughs> the next week to, to be like, him. this is where he's completely wrong. Yeah, concussion. So he, we he, could all make each other look in this, in this really silly. So Dr. Frey, it was actually interesting. He was not from the local area. He uh -huh. was from Maryland. So we're kind of expanding look our horizon. All right. um, but this gentleman used the mashup of when uh, Dick Vitale broadcast the NBA game, Charles <laughs> Barkley does yeah. the uh, college game. Right. He was like, I think it'd be funny to just kind of have the knee shoulder guy do the elbow. Right. And then kind of mash it up and say that's a bad idea. <laughs> I know. I, know. I don't. I, I don't want to look. I don't like that. <laughs> right. And it's not to make the other person look silly. It would just be like this is why they specialize in certain things. Right? Yeah. So uh, I'll I'll give this little tidbit. So my dad is one of our partners. Yeah. Sure. Uh, mm -hmm. Seventy five. Just just mm -hmm. kind of. I don't want to call it semi retirement because he would be angry with me. But he's you know just a stopped badass. doing surgery. Yeah. You know when I think back to the stuff he did. He was a general orthopedist, didn't mm -hmm. do a fellowship, did head to toe, every single thing you could imagine. Yeah. And these guys were doing everything. And I think, yeah. I think, I think they were crazy, yeah. but I also think they were better, maybe doctors in some right. ways than we were because they had a more general, complete mm -hmm. understanding of the musculoskeletal system. Not just that, they were better doctors, people in a the hospital, they would manage medical issues. They would, they would think of things that unfortunately, current physicians in our practice we're very specialized. Mm -hmm. We have a, a narrow subspecialty that we we have mm -hmm. a thorough understanding of, yeah. um, a deeper understanding than a guy like my dad may have in certain su subspecialties. But the second you step out of your lane, oof, yeah. <laughs> you start looking stupid. So I think that's a great question from that guy, but no, we're, sir, we're not gonna do that. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, it's a different era. It's evolved. Yeah. And now this is, I think, the current modern era is, is your subspecialist and you stay in your lane. Right. So it's funny and that you say that, you say that because, mm -hmm. you know, when we had Jennings on uh, two weeks ago, right? Not that mm -hmm. long ago. Or we took a week off, so yeah. maybe three weeks ago. Yeah. And um, some of the stuff that I thought was like lore, like like, like this is this is how it is. Yeah, and I listened to Jennings that. Was, yeah. was, was shooting it down. Yeah. I, I, I was sort of taken aback. Like, like, this is what you learn as a resident. This is kind of the standard. And it's great we bring on these other guys for that exact reason. Right. Because if I'm the one trying to carry the torch on some of this stuff, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do it because things have changed. Yeah. And, and now that things I'm, have gotten so special, even for someone in orthopedics, not much less, you know, right. going into like. And the, not you know, an old orthopedic. You're like, right. you're in the prime of your career. I agree. Thanks, yeah. Man. If I try to put the pieces together of the puzzle, <laughs> uh, this gentleman's email came out uh, or came to us right after the episode with you Dr. You seem Jennings to be pushing Scott. this agenda a little bit. No, no, no. Was this gentleman you? No, no, no. So. <laughs> No, I mean, come from thing. Maryland. <laughs> he, uh, the, the email comes right after the episode with Jennings. If you recall at the end, yeah. um, he was asking you questions about the labral surgery and, right. and, you know, and I wonder if he listened to that and it was like, and he, he made the crack about, you can walk with an ACL. Oh injury. yeah, he did. He yeah. did. Well, you know what? Is, I think done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't have him back. <laughs> well, I think that's going to go ahead and, uh, wrap things up for this evening. Uh, before we close out our tab, let's take a moment to thank our sponsors. And while we have them on here, Dr. Bernardini, uh, give us a quick uh, for the Energy Lab, one of our biggest sponsors here, and we appreciate everything you guys do for us here with the podcast. Yeah, we're really happy with the, uh, how the Energy Lab is uh, be going, and we really, you know, just to kind of recap what it is, we really built it as a uh, you know, medically integrated sports performance center that is effectively evidence-based. So uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of uh, lure out there in, in sports performance training, and uh, some of that is uh, kind of the flavor of the month, mm -hmm. a lot of uh, fad um, programs, things that unfortunately don't have a lot of uh, solid science behind them. And what we've tried to do here is to integrate mm -hmm. it with our medical practice, our physical therapy program, and to make sure that we're 
making choices based on evidence and uh, and there's a lot of good performance evidence out there and uh, I think it's really proving itself to be a, a an asset to our practice and our patients and uh, and it you don't have to be a patient to be part of it so you can come in and, and train uh, as a, you know as a client without having to go through unfortunately uh, an ACL surgery or an injury or something like that but thank you yeah, yeah. it's been great in addition to the Energy Lab, of course, Reconstructive Orthopedics with our eight locations and focused on you approach, covering all of your orthopedic needs. Neck of the Woods, as always, for hosting us each and every week. Fifteen beers on tap. I, I think Dr. Frey. Yeah, and I are Steve. What were you? Uh, let's let's we're, see if I can remember the yeah, name. Of we're having a hard time keeping up with them. I mean, it's the every German week. Chocolate German cake. chocolate cake barrel aged porter nitro. Nitro. Oh man. Seven point five percent. But yet we can't really even confirm that because sometimes we it's think more. it's higher than likely yeah. higher we think it's higher yeah. yeah and as always our good friends at timber real productions joe warner our on-site producer and kyle miller our editor dr bernardini dr frey this was fun thanks for Great having time. me thanks man. great night thanks for listening we'll catch you guys next time